Good evening. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verse 5 through 7. I was reminded today, uh, there was a family moved in behind my mom and dad about 10, 12 years ago, a little boy named Sergio. And uh, my daddy was retired, and he worked in the backyard a lot. But anyhow, he developed a friendship with Sergio. And uh, it, that's kind of funny, the old man and the little boy, you know. But uh, anyhow, he, he ended up uh, getting Sergio to come to church with him one Sunday morning. And uh, I remember talking to Dad after church that Sunday morning. He, he said, uh, he asked Sergio, he said, How would you like it, Sergio? How would you like church? Sergio said, The whole time I was trying to look for a way to escape. <laughs> So I hope tonight <laughs> that when I talk to you, you're not going to be telling me you was looking for a way to escape. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Lord, our desire tonight is to bring glory and honor to the King of kings and Lord of lords who is our living hope. Lord, you are the only hope in this world. We just thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to die on our behalf. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful and trustworthy no matter what may come in our life. God, let us be encouraged tonight. And to trust you always, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. 1994, there was a movie that came out entitled Forrest Gump. Probably one of the most popular movies at that time. And there was a line in that movie that became very popular and is still popular today. That line being, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get out. Um, as I was growing up and later on in my adult life, uh, my dad used to tell me all the time that life was like a roller coaster, you know. A lot of times you'll be going along and just on an even keel, things are going smooth, nothing, you know, terrible going on in your life or nothing really great going on in your life, but just kind of smooth. But then all of a sudden you'll come, you'll come to a hill and you'll start climbing up and things are going really really well you know and you, you're on top of the mountain things are really good but then you realize the time comes too that that there's another side to that mountain and you start going down and sometimes you just bypass that even kill and you get down in the valley terrible things happen uh, i uh i appreciated uh, adam's sermon uh, last week and uh, Buster's sermon this morning as well because both of those kind of allude to what i want to talk to you about tonight but life, indeed, there's truth, there is truth in both of those statements. Um, we don't know, as Buster said tonight, this is a new year, and uh, we don't know what this year holds. None of us do. But we do know who holds us in his hands, and uh, he is very, very trustworthy. Christ never promised that life would be easy. In fact, he told his disciples the opposite, didn't he? He said, it's going to be tough. They hate me, they're going to hate you. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Foxes have holes, birds there have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't promise any different. He never hid the truth, but he promised that he would be with us. 
Um, several months ago, we had several men in our church share their testimonies with us, and I really appreciated that time in the life of our church. Um, you know, you, we see each other about every week. There's a lot of new folks in our church body, and uh, I know some of you, I don't even, I hate to say it, but I don't even know your name, you know. Um, and I know your face, but I don't know you as well as some of the other people in this church. I and mean, the only way you can really get to know somebody is to have a relationship with someone. They have to open up to you, and you have to open up to them, right? you got to share your inner thoughts with people for them to really get to know you. It's the way it is with, the, with our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to have a relationship with him, you got to be in his word, studying the word. you got to talk to him in prayer, and you got to listen to it's a relationship. He reveals himself to you, and, and you reveal. Of course, he knows everything going on in your life, but that's the way it is in relationships. But through the, these men's testimonies, uh, during that time period, it, it, it allowed me to know who they are, so to speak, and it allowed me to know some of the things that some of them had struggled in or maybe was still struggling in at that time. And I just thought it was a powerful time in the, in the body of our church. Um, my purpose tonight is uh, I want to share with you some of the things that, that my family has gone through um, over the last 15 years and has kind of brought us where we're at today. Uh, many of you know these things because you've been here with us that whole time period, uh, but many of you may have heard some things and uh, some of you don't know anything, but we all, all of us go through times of trial and suffering and pain. Um, but I'm going to share with you tonight some of the things that our family has gone through. And, and the point of that is I want to encourage you tonight that God is trustworthy. He is. And if he promises he'll never leave you or forsake you, he won't. He will be there through the difficult times. Now, I'll, I'll forewarn you tonight. I'm an emotional person. I got two handkerchiefs up here tonight. So uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and apologize ahead of time. Um, Darlene and I met in 1981. We were both working at Winn-Dixie. She was a cashier and I was the bag boy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we fell in love. We got married in uh, 1983, March the 5th. Both of us were 18 years old. I don't know what my parents were thinking or her parents either. But um, So we've been married now for, it'll be 36 years in March. We have three daughters, uh, Crystal who is 34. Katie, who is 30, and Courtney, who is 26, and got a wonderful son-in-law, Dylan, who is also 26 years old. Um, you know, for 20 years or so, life was pretty normal. Everything, you know, went, went pretty good. Um, and then in uh, 2003, a series of events uh, began in our life that brought us to where we are today. A lot of these events challenged our faith. Um, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back the curtain and share with you some of these things that have gone on in our life and uh, drop the facade so you, you will know. Um, and the purpose of that is because I want you to be encouraged tonight. God is good. He is good and he is faithful. Um, October of 2003, we were in church on Wednesday night. We were actually in choir practice right back there. Um, myself, my mom, and my dad, all three sang in the choir and... Uh, Somebody knocked on the door of the choir room and walked in, and it was my uncle. Uh, when he walked in the room, I knew something was wrong because my uncle, my whole life, probably had only been in this church maybe two times. He was not a church-going person. 
But anyhow, emotion for my dad and uh, to come outside the door. And uh, so dad come back in and got mom and they left. And I knew something was wrong. But uh, after church that night, we had found out that my nephew and my niece uh, and her, some of her friends were at their home. And um, I guess I don't know what all went on that night, but my nephew had locked my niece outside the house and her friends, and they were aggravating him, and they were banging on the door and, and all of these things. And uh, I guess something snapped in my nephew, and he picked up a shotgun, and he pulled the trigger and shot the door, and my niece was there, and it took half of her face off. Um, very, very difficult time in the life of our family. Why? Why would something like this happen? And, uh, of course, for a long time, we didn't know whether she was going to survive or not. Um, it was touch and go for, for many, many days. Um, my niece was in the hospital, didn't know whether she was going to live. My nephew was in jail. And um, you just ask why. You know, why, why is all this happening but God got us through that. Um, my niece is doing good today. She lives up in Wisconsin. Uh, she's had multiple surgeries, um, even has kids of her own today. And her and her brother have a relationship today. She never would press charges against him. Um, so God was faithful. He brought us through that time period. We move about three months ahead, and it was January in 2004. After church service, we got home and just finished eating dinner. And I got a call from my older brother and said, we need to get to Mom and Dad's house right away. I said, I said, what, what happened? He said, well, we found my younger brother dead. Um, my younger brother had um, suffered with some heart problems and different things in his life for, for most of his life. And... Just had a really rough life, but um, the night before, he decided to rent a hotel room, motel room right there beside the IGA, and um, he ended his life that night. Very difficult time for uh, my family. You know, why? <laughs> you know, how much, how much can you bear? But God was good. My brother died, but God was faithful. He brought us through that time period. He was still faithful. We move forward to 2005. Well, let me, let me back up. 2002, I've, I've been with the same company for 33 years. In 2002, I had an opportunity to, to um, be a partner in, in a, another business in Hartsville. So we opened the doors there in 2002. Of course, it was right after 9-11, 2001. What, what a dumb thing to do, you know. But anyhow, we did. <laughs> Well, in 2005, August, I'm sure Kevin and Deanna know it well, Hurricane Katrina came through. And although it didn't come through South Carolina, it was devastating for the whole country. Uh, you know, gas doubled in price. The economy began to tank. Uh, things were going south. Business, our business was, was slowing down. It was already going south. Um, and we continued to struggle along, struggle along. Uh, 2006, October, uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, he'd been a part of our life. Uh, actually lived right beside us. I, I like to say that we kind of took care of him, but he didn't need any taken care of, of. He was 83 years old, still working every day, and uh, been working at the same job for 57 years. He had a massive stroke and uh, went into the hospital. And uh, 
we found out after he got in the hospital that he had uh, he got prostate cancer several years before that and and never told us we, di we didn't know and he never did seek treatment for it or anything but he died three days later um, and it was at that time that that I <clears throat> fell into deep depression um, and it, it was horrible um, business was was not good my granddaddy had died uh, and those of you that have been in this church a long time walked with me through this time period um, I can remember uh, and during Thanksgiving of that year we had our Thanksgiving meal just like we always do and I remembered uh, fixing my plate and uh, I stacked my plate up like I always do you know <laughs> pretty big you can tell I don't like to eat. But um, anyhow, I, I remember it vividly like it was yesterday. I only ate two bites. Two bites. I, was, I had wanted to recluse myself. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to be at church. I didn't want to teach Sunday school. I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to be in my own little world and withdraw uh, what was worse than my depression was my sin of pride, though, because my sin of pride wouldn't let me quit teaching Sunday school because I had made an, a commitment, which turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me because I needed to be in God's Word. I needed to be around God's people. Um, I went from 250 pounds to 168 pounds. Uh, Satan had a hold on me, a very tight grip, I uh, had thoughts of taking my own life, you know. Think, well, things are terrible. Uh, at least your family can get the life insurance and, you know, at least they can survive or stuff like that. But anyhow, that's, that's the games that Satan was playing with me. And he had a hold on me too. But thank God for my family, for my wife, my parents, my children, my church family. Through their help, through the love of God who had his continual hand upon me, and I sought help medically, and uh, so things started getting better in that. Um, I gradually was able to come out of that depression. It was terrible. It's terrible when you feel like you're in a hole, and you, you look around, and there's no way out, and you look down, and there's no way out, but you fail to look up. You see, you fail to look up from which come your help. Well, the depression began to get better uh, over time but business didn't get better um, business was getting worse and worse uh, 2007 was a horrible year 2008 we lost a lot of money the first five months of 2009 we had already lost as much money as we did in all of 2008 um, I had already resigned myself that we were just going to lose everything that we had worked for all our life but that was going to be okay because I still have my family, and I had the Lord, so that was going to be fine. So I was at, at that point, praise God for that, but it was still bad. Well, we found out in, uh, in April of 2009 that a store had closed up over in Elgin, and so we decided to look into that and come to find out that uh, the man that owned it either wanted to sell it or he wanted to rent it out, so we decided to make the move. It couldn't be any worse. <laughs> couldn't be any worse than what it was so 
we made the move and come find out it's the best business move we ever made. Uh, lo and behold, the man that owned that store had been in business for 40 years and his business had gotten terrible and he was old enough to retire, but uh, he didn't want to retire because he loved to work, but he was forced into retirement. Um, but he was also battling depression. I knew the first time I met him that he was a depressed man because I saw the same symptoms in him as, as what I had gone through and was still going through. So God just worked it out. Not only did he put us in a better place, he put us together so that I could help him and he could help me. God was at work. God was faithful still through all of this. When we move forward, uh, this is where it's going to And uh, she decided she wanted to be a chaplain. Um, so she, she was a lady, of course. Um, none of our uh, Baptist seminaries would take women uh, for that purpose. Um, so she had to go uh, to Mercer University in Atlanta. <laughs> Before she went, we, we talked it over with Pastor Craig, and, and he, you know, he told us, he said, this is a, a very liberal university, and uh, she's going to be challenged with things when she goes there. And he said, but he said, I think Crystal will be all right, though. She's got a good foundation. So she went, and uh, sure enough, from day one, uh, when she went there, she was challenged. Um, but that, and, and that wasn't the only thing, but her faith was challenged in so many ways um, just through hearing some of the teaching that was coming out of that university. Um, but in January 2010, Crystal had got, uh, started having some physical problems. Um, she, she, her stomach was hurting. And um, she went to doctor after doctor after doctor, and they did test after test after test and couldn't find anything wrong with her. Um, but she knew she was hurting, and uh, she, was, she was losing weight. She, she wasn't big to begin with, but she had lost a lot of weight. Um, by the end of 2010, she was down to about 110 pounds. Um, but she was having these physical problems, and she knew something was wrong, but they couldn't figure out what was wrong. The pain, Brother Adam, the pain, she knew something was wrong because she was hurting but she couldn't find any help, and then some of the doctors started telling her it was all in her head. Wasn't nothing wrong with her. Well, Crystal fell into uh, some dark depression as well. Um, there was uh, uh, several times that um, we didn't know where she was, and we had to go looking for her and find her, and we ended up going to pick her up from Mercy University and bring her home. She only lacked six months from getting her Master of Divinity. <laughs> And, uh, but she had to get away from there, and we had to get her back home, and we had to try to get her some help. Uh, and uh, she seemed to be doing a little bit better, and uh, she finally was going to go to a tutor over in Columbia. And uh, this was a Tuesday morning in late October. Um, she was supposed to be at the tutor at 10 o'clock, 
and um, she was to call me at 12 o'clock when she left there to, to let me know that she had left there and she was on her way home. Well, um, 12 o'clock came and I never did receive a phone call from Crystal. Uh, 12.30 came, I didn't receive a phone call from Crystal. So I called, she didn't answer her phone. I waited a little while, I called again, she didn't want to answer her phone. I left voicemail, left voicemail after voicemail. So I didn't know this lady's phone number that was tutoring her, but I did have an address, so I decided to, to get my truck and drive over to Irmo area and uh, find out what was going on. I couldn't get in touch with my daughter, so I went over there and the lady told me that she had never come there that day. So, um, we didn't know where she was at. I tried all day long calling her. She never did answer the phone. Uh, later that afternoon, I called Verizon to try to find out if they could tell me where her phone was. And uh, it was like pulling teeth to try to get anything out of them. But they did finally tell me that the last time that her phone pinged that it was somewhere above Charlotte area. So um, previously in that year, uh, one time we, Crystal went missing and um, they found her at a hotel room uh, just inside of Georgia. She had, she had went there and just had locked herself up in the room. And um, they actually had to bust the door down to, to go into the hotel room. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe she's, she's done the same thing again. She stopped in a hotel. So I left and I on the other side of Charlotte, all the way to the Virginia line, I stopped at every exit at that hotel. I searched the parking lots. No Crystal's car. Um, by this time, we'd called the police, and they put out an APB on a car, and uh, couldn't file a missing persons report because it hadn't been long enough. So anyhow, uh, we never did hear anything that night. Uh, the next day, Never heard anything all day. It was awful. Uh, what my family was going through was horrible. <laughs> Pastor Buster and Craig visited. It meant so much that they were there. They couldn't say anything. They didn't need to say anything. They were just there with us. They cried with us. Um, next day, didn't find anything. Next day, I told Darlene I needed to go back to work. That was Friday. Uh, wasn't doing any good sitting at home. But so many, and, and please know, too, that our church family was ministering to us during this time. The whole time, they were there with us, and I praise God for them. Friday, we heard nothing. Saturday morning, I went to work. About 10 o'clock, I got a call from Jason Jordan. Jason was a um, deputy sheriff at that time, and he was the one working with us through this whole situation. He said they found a car. He said it's on the Blue Ridge Parkway at an overlook about 15 miles from the Virginia line. So immediately called my dad. We got in the car, and we drove up there. Several men from the church also went up there. Um, they had already begun getting together a search party and uh, they told us we couldn't do anything. They didn't need us out there because if something happened to us, they'd have to stop looking for her and start looking for us. We respected that and understood, but that was difficult. 
they decided to set up a mile radius around the point where they found a car. They divided it like a pie. They were going to send search parties out one area at the time, cover the whole area, can't find her, go to another area. Now, her car was there. We didn't know whether she was there or not. We assumed she was, but we didn't know for sure. So anyhow, they searched all that day. There was probably, I don't know how many people, probably 50, 50 people. And that was Saturday, and they didn't find her. This was the end of October. The sun was going down, you know, 530. Some parts of the mountains was going down sooner than that with the mountains. Um, one of the worst nights of my life. Uh, the temperature got down to 38 degrees. Uh, I knew, felt like my daughter was out there and I couldn't get to her. And it was cold. Didn't get any sleep that night. Sunday came and we still had hope, you know. The, uh, the man who was over the search party, he said, he said, we're going to find her today. And they brought in some dogs. And, uh, you know, we had hope. We had hope that they would find her. Sunday came and went. They didn't find her. Another night, 38 degrees. I can't. I know you can just imagine how difficult that was. Um, my dad wasn't feeling well, though. Um, he was going to have to come home because he was sick. So Monday, we decided that we'd wait till after the morning search parties went out. And when they come back, if they hadn't found her, that we was going to go home because uh, I needed to get him home. The men that went up with us on, on Saturday, they had to get back on Sunday because they had to go back to work. So my thought was that I would go home and get my stuff together and I would go back up and I would look, I would search for them. And some of the men of the church had already told me they were planning on going up with me. So anyhow, um, Dad and I that morning went back to the overlook. We were just looking, contemplating, talking. And my dad said, Ricky, I really think that if Crystal is here, that she would have took this route. You know how when water comes down the side of a mountain, it makes like a little rivet or whatever you want to call it. Little. He said, I believe she would have, she would have gone down right here because this would have been the path of least resistance. I said, well, Dad, let's go back and let's tell the man in charge. Let's tell him that before we leave. So this was about 1230. So we went back. The, the place where everybody was meeting was about 10 miles from, from where that overlook was. So we went back, and uh, Mr. Gerald left, which that's his name. Uh, we met with him, and I told him what my dad said. He said, well, um, it's getting a little late this evening. If, uh, if we don't find her this evening, then we'll send out a team in the morning, and we'll let them walk that route until that route ends. So while we were talking, one of the earlier crews had came back in, four gentlemen, um, 
that were from the area, uh, very experienced in that type of thing, had come back and um, the man in charge wasn't going to let them go out because he said it's getting a little bit later, you know, there's no need for y'all to go out now. But they said, no, we, we want to go out now. He, and he said, okay, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> he told him to go where my daddy suggested. So we left. It's about three and a half hours from there to our house. So on the way home, it, it was awful. Um, I, I'm going to have to confess to you that I'd already lost hope. That I, I just figured if they found my daughter, she was going to be dead. I had already conceded to that. My faith was weak, and I had lost hope. We had got off at the Highway 97 exit and had gone through Great Falls, went across the bridge, and turned on uh, Liberty Hill Road. And uh, after we traveled about two miles, I got a phone call, and it was Jason. Jason said, Ricky, we found her, and she's alive. And I just busted out crying. And my poor dad, he didn't know what was said. He thought my daughter was dead. He thought his granddaughter was dead, and he cried the worst cry I've heard in my life. And I said, no, Daddy, they found her, and she's alive, and she's alive, and there's so much joy. We got back to the house, and there must have been 200 people at my house, and I just couldn't believe it that my daughter was alive. And even they, had, they even allowed, was able some kind of way through the walkie-talkers, we was able to talk to her. And I just say, praise God, praise God. And... Uh, it was it was glorious. God was faithful, but it wasn't over at that time either. Um, they took her, they flew her to Wake Forest Hospital, and started giving her something to eat, something to drink. She had suffered frostbite. Um, she hadn't had anything to eat or drink um, since that day. Um, she did well. I take that back. She did drink a little bit of water out of a creek, and so she had bacteria in her stomach and so forth. Well, Darlene, I mean, me and Courtney and Katie had come home, and uh, right after we got home, Darlene called and said we got to come back up there, that um, Crystal had started bleeding uh, internally, and they didn't know where. Um, so we went back. They had to do exploratory surgery. They cut her from here to here. I don't know how long the surgery lasted. It was a long time, though. And uh, anyhow, they come to find out that she had an ulcer. There, there's a place at the bottom of your stomach called the duodenum. I'd never heard of it before. Still don't know what it is. But anyhow, it's at the bottom of your stomach. And in the duodenum, she had an ulcer. And through the trauma that she went through that week, then getting food and water, the ulcer busted, and it started bleeding. This was the problem the whole time. This was causing all of her problem the whole time. And they never would have found it where it's at never God was with us and he was faithful to our family and it was a long time it took a long time for us to move forward from that because um, there was still a lot to work out but I can tell you that tonight that Crystal is doing well uh, she went back and got her counseling degree and she's a counselor at Palmetto Health right now able to help other people going through depression. God was with us. 
he's had a plan all along, and he has blessed. He worked a miracle in our life. My daddy said in his Sunday school class, they can attest, he told them he ain't never seen a miracle. God, people talking about miracles, he ain't never seen no miracle, but he, he was able to say, I have witnessed a miracle, and I believe it was a miracle. So things got better. 2012, <clears throat> in September of 2012, well, actually, uh, it was before that, in August of 2012, my, my daddy got sick. Um, he was, he went to the doctor. They did x-ray on his chest and, uh, and determined he had uh, pneumonia. So they gave him some antibiotics. They sent him home, and he took antibiotics for several weeks, and he wasn't getting any better. He ended up going back to the hospital. I mean, excuse me, back to the doctor's office, and they did another chest X-ray, and what they saw in his lungs had doubled in size. So then our worst fears, um, of course, uh, cancer. Um, at the same time, my grandma Doris my mama's mama was in the hospital in the carriage wing, and she wasn't doing well either. Um, we ended up, Dad got a, had a biopsy, and it was, he had stage four lung cancer. Um, he'd been battling it that year and just didn't know it, but I, I knew he was sick from February of that year because uh, he came to church here, and when I saw him in the parking lot, I, he didn't look right. And I asked Darlene, I said, does, does Daddy look sick to you? It looks like he doesn't feel good. And she said, well, I didn't pay any attention to it. But, yeah, now that you say that, and you don't want to call somebody to start worrying. So I never said anything to him. I finally asked him in April. I said, Daddy, you feel all right? You just don't look like you feel good. He said, well, I just think I'm getting old. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he'd been battling cancer even maybe before then. But my grandmother passed away in the meantime. Dad wasn't able to go to the funeral. Um, we had... Her funeral was on Sunday afternoon, and we had left Sunday school. We went over there to prepare for that. And while I was over there waiting to leave to go to her funeral, I got a call from my partner, Kenny Newman, and told me that Ron passed away last night. And I said, are you talking about Ron's dad? He said, no, Ron passed away last night. Ron was a good friend of mine. We worked together for 20-something years. Uh, Ron was a, a healthy guy. Uh, Six five. He was he was a big dude. He was a funny guy. He was just hilarious, full of life. Um, the night before, he was up watching a football game. Got up to go to the bathroom. Had a stomach aneurysm that busted, and he died right there in the bathroom. So, in three days, I went to two funerals, and then about ten days later, my dad died, October the first very difficult time in the life of our family but God was with us and he brought us through that we moved forward to 2015 it was April 29th 2015 we had on our way home from church on a Wednesday night Darlene got a call said we needed to be at the hospital they were taking my sister-in-law Charlene to the hospital we needed to be there and we got there and they had already had Charlene back and it was probably 45 minutes later they come out and said that Charlene had passed away 43 years old 
Why? Why, Lord? Why? Don't understand. Mom's had open heart surgery since then. Quadruple bypass. Things have been quiet pretty much since then. And I tell you about all these things to say that God is faithful through it all. He never left us. He never failed us. And I can look back and see how he guided us the whole way. Many of you here tonight have been through the same thing or similar things or even worse things than what we have been through. And I know and I hope that you can say with me that God has been faithful through it all. Some of you are still suffering right now from recent events in your own life. And I know that you can say that God is faithful even though the days are hard. God is faithful. He is working things out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That's one thing you can, you can believe. He is. Once he sets his love upon you, he will never take it away. Um, Isaiah 43. forgot I had it marked. Isaiah 43.1 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou pass through the waters, I will be with thee. When through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. If you could go back and ask Noah when the waters overtook the earth... Was God faithful? Was God with him? He would say yes. If you could go back and ask Jonah, was God with him when they threw him off the ship into the stormy seas and he was swallowed by a big fish, Jonah would say yes. If you could talk to the Israelites when they crossed over the Jordan River, were they, was God with you? Yes, he was. He dried up the rivers of the Jordan and we walked across on dry ground. If you could talk to Joseph, <laughs> Joseph, Look at all what Joseph went through in the Bible. Joseph, was God with you? Yes, he was with me. Daniel, Daniel, was God with you when, when you were in that den of lions? Daniel would say, yes. He shut the mouths of the lions. If you could ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was God with you when you were in that fiery furnace? Yes, he was walking among us in the fiery furnace. If you could ask Stephen, even while he was being stoned, if you go back and read Acts chapter 7, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen, was God faithful in your life even though you were stoned? Yes, God was faithful to me. The problem is, see, we can go to God's Word and we can read in God's Word about all these stories, but we can't talk to these people, right? We can't. Many people in this building tonight have been through difficult times and they can tell you that God is faithful. I'm one of them. If you're going through a hard time tonight in your life and you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody in this church building. They will tell you and remind you and help you get through it and remind you that God is faithful. You know, we, we do a disservice to each other when we come to church and we put on a facade every Sunday and never let people see in our hearts and lives. The hardest thing I ever had to do, or one of the hardest things I ever had to do was admit to my Sunday school class that I was battling depression. But you know what happened that day? 
I found out there's two other people in my class going through the same thing. And they, like me, thought they were all alone by themselves. You're not by yourself. We're here for each other, and God is always here for us. No, things might not turn out the way we want them to turn out, right? They might not. You know, Stephen died. He died that day. Many Christians died, burned at the stake, boiled in oil, whatever. Many gave their life. It might not always turn out the way we want it to turn out, but God is faithful. I hope and pray that we can say tonight like Job, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him, right? I hope and say that, pray that we can say tonight like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told the king, King, we know that our God has the power to uh, protect us in that fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and serve you. See, that's, that's our prayer tonight. Adam said last week, through the pain, through the difficult times, that our faith is strengthened, and he is right. It is through those times that our faith is strengthened. My faith is greater today than it was 15 years ago, and I will never sit here and tell you that I've arrived because I haven't. I have to be very careful. I know that I can fall just like that. I know things can change tonight just like that. Things can be different in your life. But I can promise you one thing, without a doubt, that God will never fail you and he will never leave you. God, we believe. We need to pray that God would help our unbelief, right? So some of you tonight may be going through some of these things, and I want to encourage you that God's still there. He hadn't left, and he never will. Stay around God's people. Stay in the word of God and keep the faith. And when you can't hold on anymore, know that God has a hold of you, and he'll never let you go. Nothing can snatch you out of his hands. He will be with you to the end. Father God, I thank you for allowing us to be here tonight, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful. No matter what we go through, you are there and you're working it out, Lord. I'm so thankful that you have a hold on me, God, because I'll let go, but I know you won't let go. Lord, help us to be an encouragement to others in this place. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.